Well, good morning, everyone. I'm glad that you came up here. Thanks for having the courage to be here. This is a good thing. Well, today I'm going to be talking about the words of Jesus and how they have authority and how it's important to listen to him. And you know that, right? And to help you understand that, I'm going to be talking a little bit about football. Do you like, like football? Do your mom and dad ever watch football? Maybe grandma and grandpa? Maybe not so much. You know, each week it's a little less, right? Well, what I want to be able to do is, did you know that, is to ask you, do you know that there are different positions in football? And, and what's the most important position? Everybody says quarterback, right? But you know what? The quarterback wouldn't be able to do much if the offensive line isn't helping him, right? Or the wide receiver or the running back or the defense, right? But yeah, quarterback position, I think you, you are onto something. It's, it's a key position that's Im important. And maybe some of your own family members played quarterback one time. You can ask them about that. Well, when it comes to uh, quarterbacks, um, it's important for the team to listen to the quarterback, right? He has an important position, because can you imagine if, if they wouldn't listen to the quarterback, how would the team do? Not so well, right? Well, I, I brought some Minnesota, great Minnesota Viking quarterbacks I wanted to share with you. I got some pictures, right? So my first picture, do you see him? Right, that's Fran Tarkenton. Maybe your grandmas and grandpas remember him. He used to be a really good quarterback for the Vikings. And then we have another quarterback here. See that? His name is Dante Culpepper. He was a really good quarterback. In fact, I met him when I was at a, a summer. Um, I used to go to Mankato and I got to take my kids and I got to meet him. Nice guy, really good quarterback. And uh, then we also have uh, Kirk Cousins, right? He's the current, well, right now, the quarterback for the Vikings. <laughs> Um, I could have said Warren Moon or Tommy Kramer. I wasn't going to say Brett Favre. <laughs> Don't want to start a war here. <laughs> right, I know. I'll just avoid that third rail. Well, it's important for the team to listen to the quarterback because if they don't, the team won't do very well. But God's word tells us it's important to listen to Jesus. And I want to share with you a Bible passage in our, our reading I want you to listen for. The Bible says this, um, Jesus told, talked to two groups of people in our sermon, and the first, they heard what he said, but they didn't believe anything he said. They were like a football players that didn't believe anything the quarterback said. How dumb is that, right? And yet the second group listened to what the Bible says. Then he went to Capernaum, Luke chapter 4 says, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. The people in Capernaum believed Jesus. They didn't just hear what he said. They believed and knew what he said was true. And most importantly, they believed that he is the Savior. It's important for you and me to always listen to the words of the Bible, and that's why you're listening to this children's message. And just like a quarterback's team needs to listen to him, we need to listen to Jesus, not just when he tells us what to do and not to do, but to believe that he is our only Savior because he loves us so much. Let's pray and ask Jesus to help us, okay? Dear Jesus, thank you for revealing yourself to be more than just the quarterback of our lives. Instead, you're our Savior. Thank you for dying for our sins and rising again, and thank you for now, now talking to us in your word. Help us to listen to you always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May God's grace, his mercy, and his peace because of Jesus be with you now and always, amen. 
God's word for appointed for us on this, the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, is recorded for us in Luke's Gospel, reading from chapter 4, beginning at verse 20. The Bible says this, Jesus, this is a continuation of last Sunday's sermon, uh, Gospel text, and now Jesus had just, in, in his hometown of Nazareth, had read from the scroll of Isaiah, and this is what happened next. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, do here in your own hometown what we have heard you that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for, th for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. This is God's word, we pray. Sanctify us by your truth, dear Jesus. Your word is truth. Amen. Please be seated. In the saving name of the triune God, my dear Christian friends, expectations are a part of daily life. We all have them. In January, we expect there to be snow. And in July, we expect there to be sun. When we're in the drive-thru at McDonald's, we expect to have our food piping hot and the order better be right. And yes, in two weeks there's going to be the Super Bowl, the most important football game of the year. And you better believe that every star, starter, scrub, and staff member expects to walk away from that game a victor. But here's a cold, hard fact. We don't always get what we expect. We often don't have snow in January, and in July, we often have rain. When you go through the drive through at McDonald's, sometimes communication can get garbled. And what you think you ordered, you didn't get. Make sure you check the next time you go through. And in two weeks, only one team is going to walk off that field a winner. For Americans, the Super Bowl is the most watched sporting event of the year. I'm told that more than 90 million viewers will see this year's game. And very few NFL teams have made it to the Super Bowl 
without having a strong quarterback. The teams that make it that far need to have a strong leader. They need to have someone who's calm, cool, and collected. And if the team is behind on that last drive, literally willing their team to win by making all the right decisions and making sure that that team can be led to victory, this go-to guy, he must live up to great expectations. And of course, we haven't huddled up in church right now to talk just about football. We're here to talk about life, about reality, about eternity. And we're not just passive fans sitting on the sidelines either, watching our, the clock in the game of life with the clock ticking down one second at a time. Instead, we're actively engaged as God's people. We're on offense, fighting to keep our families together and moving forward. And we're on defense, trying to plug the holes caused by sin and its consequences. And you and I know that we're facing some pretty formidable opponents. And I'm not talking about those teams in the NFC North Division either. You and I are fighting against, first of all, well, we're fighting against the world. The world who seems to give us a different philosophy every month about don't worry about the Bible, follow what the world says, uh, that's more fun anyway. It's always repackaged, but it's the same philosophy. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. We're fighting against the devil, that lying evil angel who's constantly on the prowl, trying to distract us and literally pull us away from Jesus. Yes, he often brings out the worst of us, and that devil, oh, he sure knows what buttons to push in my life, and he does the same thing for you too. We're also fighting against ourselves, our sinful nature that's trying every single moment of the day to make us more self-centered and greedy. Can we expect to win? Well, the stakes are certainly high. Not only our happiness here is at stake, but our eternity is on the line. Who can we count on to lead us? Who will help us? Whether it's little things in our lives like a cold, maybe COVID, maybe financial problems or relationships. Who will rescue us, literally snatch us from the jaws of defeat? I guess what I'm really asking you is this. Can Joseph's son really lead us to victory? Can Jesus, the one revealed as Mary and Joseph's boy, as well as the Son of God, can he truly lead us to victory? Well, the scriptures answer definitively. Not to those who doubt, only to those who believe. But to those who believe, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 reminds us, God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. To help you understand that, let's return to an event early in Jesus' ministry that proves that truly he is our go-to guy and the world's MVP. Our Bible reading kicks off this way. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus had just finished reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Can't you just see him? As Jesus walked back to his seat in that synagogue that day, he was the focus 
of every single person in the room. And now Jesus makes a bold claim. Like a quarterback, on the opening play of the game, who announces his presence with authority by throwing the long bomb, by proving, I mean business, Jesus identified himself as the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. It's almost like he walked out that day and said, I'm the guy. I'm the one you've been waiting for. I'm the Messiah that has been promised to you since the time of Adam and Eve. I am he. Pretty bold claim, don't you think? You could almost hear a pin drop that day. It'd almost be like if an NFL draft pick, the number one pick, and later this, this year's draft would come out and interview and say, well, I am the best. Can you imagine? I'm not just the best in college. I'm the best of all time. That's really what Jesus was saying. Well, Jesus wasn't going to lead people to heaven by his athletic prowess. He wasn't going to lead people to heaven by saying, you know, just be good people and you'll make it to heaven by what you do. Jesus didn't say that. He had come to be the Messiah, the Savior that everyone needed, the Savior that was promised since time began by paying our debt of sins in full on the cross. Well, initially, it seemed like things were going well. It seemed like the crowd accepted him. Listen to why I say that. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. They wanted what he was offering. They were the poor who needed good news. They were the captives who needed freedom. They were the blind who needed sight. Spiritually speaking, they were exactly like us. Spiritually speaking, poor, prisoners, and blind. But what happened? How did it go south so quickly? Well, it's because they lost sight of the big picture. They allowed their past experiences and their present reason to cloud who Jesus was and what he had come to do. I say that because our reading continues. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? When they started thinking about it, they remembered Jesus' family tree, and they reversed their, their position. Can't you just see him? Isn't this Joseph's son who just lives down the block here in the village, the poor carpenter's boy? Who does he think he is? I mean, he's just a poor carpenter. Well, from their perspective, Jesus didn't have a good preseason. He was born in poverty, not in prominence. They thought Jesus didn't attend the right D1 school. He didn't hang out with the right people. Jesus' only claim to fame was, well, he hung out with a few rabbis at age 12. Jesus was humble, but humility doesn't always make the headlines, does it? All this Jesus did to come into our world, to become like us, to put himself under God's law to save us. So Jesus was really warning them, don't try to have a false expectation. Don't expect me to live up to your kind of savior. I mean, their idea was a, of a savior was one who could do miracles on demand, who could save them from the Romans. 
really the bottom line was those Jews didn't think that they were all that bad. They had anything to be saved from, and they sure didn't need this Jesus. Yes, only if Jesus would back up what he has claimed with miracles on their terms. But let's think about it. If you would actually go home this afternoon and read all of Luke chapter 4, you would see what Jesus had done and all the miracles that he had performed. The miracles of healing Peter's mother-in-law, healing the crowds that came to him, casting out demons. Well, they didn't live up to their idea of who Jesus was, and they didn't want him. They ignored his warnings. They rejected him. They booed his abilities. The Bible says they wanted to kill him. What a sad commentary on the dangers of unbelief. See, at first, people can just say, I don't have time for Jesus, but they end up totally rejecting him. The Bible says this, they got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Ironically, Jesus did do a miracle that day, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Could this Joseph's son lead them to victory? Jesus makes it clear, not to those who doubt. It's easy for you and me this morning to play armchair quarterback, to diagram all the mistakes that the people of Nazareth made. I mean, you and I could say they had the home field advantage. They could see Jesus, talk to him. And yet they rejected him? My friends, right here in 2022, right here in New Alm, right here with members of St. Paul's, you and me, we can so easily reject Jesus too, in almost polite ways. Yes, Jesus has given us the gift of prayer. We can talk to him anytime, anywhere. But really, my question is, do we? Do we talk to Jesus every single day faithfully? Oh, sure, to ask him for stuff. But to thank him after we prayed? Or do sometimes we expect, Jesus, you better do that miracle to validate my faith, or really you're just wasting your time? My friends, how easily you and I could treat Jesus in prayer like a clown face in a drive-through. Jesus, give me a hamburger, fries, and easy life to go. And when Jesus doesn't do that, well, forget him. My friends, how you and I need to hear Jesus' stinging words of the law, which shows our sin, and how we need to hear the comforting words of the gospel, of who he is and what he had come to do. But at the end of the day, I pray that you confess with me when we look at our lives, be like the tax collector who said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We actually reject Jesus when we don't let him be who he is, literally our Lord and Savior of all. Can Joseph's son lead us to victory? Well, Jesus makes this offer only to those who believe. Listen to the final words of our reading that tell us the rest of Jesus' game plan. The Bible says this, Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching, because his teaching had authority. I told the children in the children's message how important it is to listen to Jesus. Well, the people of Nazareth, his own hometown, didn't listen to him. So what did Jesus do? He moved on. And that should really strike us and hit us hard. The people didn't want what he was offering. Jesus wasn't going to force him. He wasn't going to argue with them. He simply took his message and the gospel to others. Yes, 
Jesus tells us how important it is to listen to what he says. Instead of his own hometown, he went on to Capernaum. And at Capernaum, he had a very different reception. And here we see the power of God's word at work. The people didn't reject what Jesus was saying. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they simply accepted what Jesus had to say and believed. They took Jesus' words to heart with a simple childlike faith. And Jesus tells us to do the same. The Bible is clear. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Jesus wants you and me, my friends, to have that same childlike faith, not a childish faith. A childish faith that says, Jesus, I want you on my terms. A childlike faith is taking at face value what Jesus is saying. Having a childlike faith is a lot like seeing a, a dad down at the New Alm Rec Center with his four-year-old at the edge of the pool, and he says, just jump to me. I'll catch you. That's what Jesus is doing with us. Listen, follow his word. Really, what faith is, is simply agreeing to what the Bible says. Yes, I'm a sinner. The evidence is in my life every day. I agree with that. And not to is really lying. Yes, I've been saved by Jesus. The evidence is in Scripture, too. Jesus died for me. He rose again for me. He saved me. But that's true of you, too, my friends. Listen to what Jesus says. Accept at face value what God has promised you. And continue to strengthen your faith. Keep coming to St. Paul's to hear Jesus' word and apply it to you. Next week, when the pastor Smith is talking to you, I pray that you say, hey, he's talking about me. He's telling me about my sins and about my Savior. And continue to read our Bibles at home to strengthen that fragile faith that we have. On Super Bowl Sunday, only one of the two teams will walk away with a very important piece of jewelry. Do you know what it is? It's a Super Bowl ring. I'm sure it must be quite a thrill to wear a Super Bowl ring knowing what it cost. But my friends, Jesus has given us something more valuable than just a Super Bowl ring. The Bible says when our season, our time of grace is done here on earth, we have a better piece of jewelry. The Bible says that well, God will award us the crown of righteousness, not only to Paul, but to all who have longed for his appearing, signifying that we have heaven guaranteed, and we have that assurance right here, right now. No matter what happens in two weeks at the Super Bowl, rejoice that you and I have that piece of jewelry and sing your praises to God. Thank him every day, because it's true. Joseph's son leads us to victory. Amen. Here at St. Paul's right now, we're not uh, passing our collection plates at this time in the service. Instead, if you brought an offering for Jesus our Savior, please drop it off as you leave today in the baskets, bring it into the church office later this week, or please give online. We appreciate the blessings that you give. We count on that to continue to carry out our ministry here. But for our stewardship thought, I'd like you to consider this. So often we think of the blessings in our lives, our possessions, and the things that we have is it's ours. It's my vehicle. It's my bank account. It's my SUV. It's my retirement fund. But that's just silly, isn't it? 
Everything we have is given to us as a loan from God. You and I only have it temporarily. Really, what we have is what God's given us. And when we remember, it's not ours to keep. Instead, it's ours to share. It's a lot easier to become generous, remembering when we look at the cross and we see how generous God was with us in giving us a Savior, and we remember everything we have is His, we can more, be more generous with it every day. This is what the hymn verse says in hymn number 485. We give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee.